Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Blood Knives? This is Steven, your host from Phantology, with my lifelong friend Jake and my not-as-lifelong friend Caden, uh, but uh, f- familial ties there that will be uh, binding <laughs> us for life. Uh, I, I started this new intro where I say lifelong friends, and then as I was about to do, I was like, wait, I have no Caden my whole life. Uh, but he is my brother-in-law, and uh, we are excited to have you here, Caden, for another Wheel of Time episode reviewing Book 12, The Gathering Storm. So guys how are we are we excited for this one i am it was great i loved every minute of it it was yeah action-packed and really good book yeah there's some uh, game-changing moments in this one for sure and we can't go too far without talking about the elephant in the room what uh, as soon as you get to the last three which is the sanderson takeover right so we are sanderson fans we've read all of his books. I think, Caden, have you read all of his books, actually? Maybe this week. I haven't read a couple of the YA ones. Okay. Like Steel Heart. Same. Same. But but yeah. Everything I mean, else I, haven't, I have. Yeah, I haven't read his Alcatraz books either, like Rhythmatist, but, oh, yeah. you know, all the Cosmere yeah. stuff, right? So, yeah, so, so we're, we're big, we're big Sanderson fanboys, but if we can, you know, separate the Sanderson Cosmere fandom from the Wheel of Time fandom, and can we just, like, objectively try to get at like what was the Sanderson influence on this book and did you like it and what did you see I had a hard time I I thought his writing style would be more noticeable and I felt like he was very true to Robert Jordan's style like the way he described things or all the bro pulling that still happened (laughs) I don't know I think there was some not not just that but like I, I was surprised I thought like he tried to be very true to what Robert Jordan would have done um, overall was my impression. Yeah, I, I read the review that uh, Jason at Dragon Mount posted of um, I think, uh, of The Gathering Storm back in 2009 when it came out. And he talked about how like some characters he thought were a little bit off and different, but then other people thought that others were. And so it's all just kind of a different lens, I, I guess, or a different, you know, a different take on the series than uh, Robert Jordan Sanderson talked about it as like a same story, same script, different director. So yeah, certainly he tried to do his best and certainly, you know, he would be the first one to tell you that there were some things that he didn't do as well. And I think he actually did say like through the first book, he had a hard time really immersing himself in like what Robert Jordan would have done. And then he, he felt like he found his feet better in the last two. Um, yeah. What, what did you think, Jake? Yeah, I, I I feel like when I first read it, there was definitely a difference in writing, but it wasn't anything to be like, it wasn't like a lower quality, if that makes sense. It was just different. And I was fine with that. Um, I think he's been on record to say that um, he made the decision that he wasn't going to like try to replicate Robert Jordan one-to-one because it just wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to pull that off. And so it was mm-hmm. if he had to do it, you know, he'd have to do it the way he knew how, mm-hmm. which is why I think there is a difference. Um, I think he did a really good job keeping the characters true to who they were with, for me, a notable exception with uh, Matt, his portrayal of Matt in this book, especially. And I think he he's even admitted that 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 was something he wasn't sure about. And that was one of those things he kind of tuned more as the books went on. But again, it was a, is definitely a different Matt than I was used to. And it was different than Robert Jordan's um, version of him, but it was, it wasn't like uh, like a lower quality Matt for me, if that makes sense. So some would say that he recast Matt. <laughs> Ooh, too, too soon, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully not that drastic. 
Oh man, that was too perfect. It's the it's the curse of Matt. We're gonna see in the next hundred years probably thirty different adaptations of the Wheel of Time, like different versions of it, and it's gonna kind of like be like Dune, how there's this curse of uh-huh. every Dune adaptation, and every adaptation of the Wheel of Time, there's gonna be something wrong with with the Matt casting or character. <laughs> Come on, Dune broke the curse, right? They're making uh, part two now, and they're it seems to be on the like, way to yeah. maybe three movies as well. Yeah, I feel like they broke the curse with Dune. Anyways, <laughs> Kim, what do you think about Matt? Um, yeah, he. I definitely thought he was different, but I was like, until we started talking about it now, I thought it was more due to like just like what's going on in his storyline with getting married to Tuan kind of and then then leaving and so I kind of attributed it more to just like him growing even his differences than than the Mm -hmm. betrayal but I guess I wasn't really thinking about it and I can you know so I think think, there's a little bit of both happening I think Um, yeah I I think what it was for me specifically was there are a couple times where Matt almost told jokes in this book and Matt Matt is a funny character but before this book it was more he's in a funny circumstance and he's reacting to it in a way that's humorous. Uh, Whereas this one, he like almost is this like a comedian. Is this the women are like goats? Is that in this book? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's specifically what I'm thinking. It seems like a little, yeah, that does looking back, it seemed a little forced to the point where I was able to remember that just offhand. Mm. But like, again, for me, it wasn't like a, uh, like a drop in quality, really. It was just different. Yeah. Like you, you still had Matt being true to gambling too much to where it got him into trouble. Yeah. Right. And he wasn't in the book very much. It was really just like two or three chapters. So uh, mm-hmm. this was very much the Rand and Egwene show in, in uh, this one. And both plot lines are really good. Like they have, they have pretty good arcs that really get to points that Robert Jordan had been wanting to take them for years and now that we've got to this like big character moment for each one of them, that has gone on books and books of build. And so what a payoff by the end for both of those characters. I think the, uh, I think Egwene's was better for me. Her scene or scenes, multiple scenes were the best out of the book. Okay. Um, That's like, interesting. Go ahead. Which I was surprised by, um, but like the first scene where she like defies Elida, right? She's like in, I think she's serving her dinner or something, right? And then just mm-hmm. like loses it. And everything you're saying, you're just like, wow, this is everything I've wanted to say to Elida for the last 10 books. And it was just like, yes, yeah. finally, right? <laughs> and you're like, things are finally starting to happen here. And then just like the battle with the Sanchan, it was just like, I wanted a little bit more out of it. Like I thought it was more just meaning like she did amazing, but I, like, I like you wanted it to go bigger. on long, you want yeah okay yeah sure yeah yeah if that or action yeah yeah it was yeah. just a raid not a full-on battle which right. would have been really cool yeah there's but, there's more action to come don't worry you want action I'm, you'll get action <laughs> i i'm sure i was just like you know like you're like the going is super awesome right now like let's let's keep that going i mean she's not mm-hmm. that she isn't after but so yeah i think Egwene's parts were very satisfying I was saying, I agree with that. I don't, I think Elaine had, or Egwene had awesome moments in this book. And she's definitely one of like the, the most interesting parts to read. I'm just surprised that you, you picked her over Rand because to me, Rand's, Rand's moment is like, it's like what you've been waiting for since book, book four, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So here's my problem with, with Rand. Um, or, I don't know if I can describe it really well, but I didn't feel like it, like it didn't make sense logically in my head how it all came together. And suddenly he's like, oh yeah, we, you know, we, we live again so we can make things right in love. And then suddenly it's just like, boom, happy. And we're going to like that, that part just seemed like it was a little forced, I think to me. I mean, all the pieces of his life were falling apart. And I, I think his father, you know, almost killing Tam was, very important in this. I, I think the pieces, I think the pieces the veins are of there. Gold, yeah. Like the veins of gold was a, was a huge moment, right? With the, like him feeling the bond with uh, um, Avienda, Elaine and, and men and feeling the love they had for him. 
That was this book, right? I'm not. It was yes, this book. It is. Yes, yeah, it is. like it that's like book. that's when yeah. he's on yes. Dragon Mount, right? That was yes. like part of his like him being broken down to this like pulverized person mm-hmm. trying to be so hard, and then having that realization that it's all worth it for love and feeling the love of them for him. I don't know. I I thought that was all super powerful. It yeah. almost makes the plague in me worth it. I, I have the unpopular <laughs> opinion here. Yeah. But I don't know. It just like, <laughs> like, of course it's for love. Like, you know, like that's just like the classic, like, I don't know. It just wasn't really that. Like, I feel like the hype was too big for what happened, even though, you, yeah, you've been waiting for a long time, but just like how foreshadowed, like, oh, Kathleen's going to teach you something so important. Like, you're like, yeah, mm. you know, he needs to let that, you know, not be so hard. Right. And it just, I don't know. It wasn't as exciting to me as Egwene, like, tearing apart Sanchan. Yeah. I mean, it was a much more cerebral moment. M- more, yeah. you know, even you could say, like, more meta, more more in his head through all of that, yeah. I just, like, even the even the moment when Egwene's, like, just take just talking to Elida, right, and just, like, saying all these things, like, that part, like, impacted me more as a reader. I'm not, not every reader, but me, than, yeah. than like, that scene on Dragon Mount. I have, man, I have a lot of thoughts right now. Um, I wonder if part of it is because I had reread so many of the earlier books before reading this one that like my first time reading through, honestly, um, like I was like, I wasn't really as into Rand's plot line. And then like the more I reread them, the more I kind of felt for him and really connected with his, his plight of like, having all this um, responsibility Mm -hmm. and like the duty heavier than a mountain and trying to deal with that and him not being a person who naturally would want to be so hard, but thinking this is the only way I have to do it. And so I think like the, the repetition of reading that made me connect more with him for this moment. So you're saying Caden has read the books one time, but you've read like, you know, tens of, of books (laughs) of like Rand becoming harder and harder and, dealing yeah. with all this stuff <laughs> so it was so a it huge just impounded yeah. into your head yeah yeah and and I think each time I read it, I connect more with Rand specifically and that's probably me that's just like me personally how I consume these books um so that might be why it's more impactful I I have a question though like I I feel like we asked you this last time but I can't remember your answer did you expect this or did you like did you expect this this moment of like self like realization for Rand or did you think he was going to be hard up until the end? No, I figured that whatever, like has been had her viewing um, that he would learn, like something would happen that made him like care about people again. Um, I didn't, I I didn't expect it happening in this book though, that like at the very end, I thought things had wrapped up and I was like, all right, like I didn't expect it so soon. Um, Mm. I mean, like two chapters before he's, you know, yeah, using Balefire to yeah. yeah, right. And yeah, and, okay. And so here's where I think I think I at this point, at that point, I'm like on the side with like Nynaeve and Catswin almost like this guy's gotta be stopped, right? Like he's just insane. And like I don't I can't relate with Rand at all at this point because he's just killing everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It's for a good reason. Like, I mean, I think he should have killed uh what's Semarog sooner, mm-hmm. right? Like leaving her alive longer was a mistake, but yeah. And having the Dominion band like right there, like, man, that that yeah. was just a critical mistake. Like, how you how know the entire time what's yeah. coming? Like, it's not a yeah, yeah. Yep. So I think that's why I think I have a hard yeah. So I do think I have a lot harder time identifying with Rand just because like I'm I'm seeing it from Cat Swain or like I'm 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 identifying more with them. Like, man, this guy needs to be stopped, and so I'm just yeah. And I think I empathize with them more due to those like the different iterations of, of my like read throughs. Um, but I think that Simraj moment is such like, it's so pivotal. It's like the reason why the, was it Natrum's borrow happens because yeah he's like realized I wasn't hard enough. And that's why I almost killed men. Like, and she like, like she obviously still loves him, but she's like scared, you know? And so he's just like, all right, screw everything like way more callous when it comes to like uh respecting life and everything i don't know i i think it was perfectly set up in this book like ramped his hardness was ramped up to 11 and then i don't know just the <laughs> the moment on dragon mount and on i don't know him 
having that happen on dragon mount too and i'm going off on just a little rant here but <laughs> like like the whole process of it like meeting tam having that explosive moment not being in control like heath he has this like view of himself like oh i'm going to be harder and part of being harder is being more in control of myself but the harder he gets the less in control of himself he is the more fragile he is emotionally and more impulsive which leads him to exploding on rand which then leads him to like like being so scared he runs he's like okay i gotta take out these emotions on the sean chan going to ebudar realizing these people are like living better under the sean chan than like half the people living under my rule and just like having this utter failure moment and the like being pitied by people on the street there Mm -hmm. i don't know it was such a great emotional journey (laughs) (laughs) one that i hope i never go on (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I also enjoyed it. I think I like the prologue of Towers of Midnight more. Actually, or maybe that that just stuck with me even a little bit more than the moment of Dragon Mount. Obviously, that's a spoiler for the next book, so we can't talk about it now. But I don't know yeah. if you've started Towers <laughs> of Midnight yet, Kaden. But that's just like a, a small moment that really illustrates the change. And um, I, I, I thought it was even more powerful. And I And agree. I think the reason why is because all the change that happens is in his head at the end of the gathering storm. And Mm -hmm. then in the prologue, you get to see what does that mean? Like, how is he going to act differently now? Okay. So we just, we just didn't get that far in um, the gathering storm. Anyways, I, I, not to take away from Egwene at all. I think her part was so awesome. Like when we were talking about her in the the white tower um, last episode, like the whole time it was just like, we got to get to like the next yeah. book. We got to get to the part where she finally yeah. like, yep. Not only see. owns Elida, but like really proves herself to everybody. Anyways, I guess speaking of Egwene, did you see the, uh, like when she's doing the black Aja cleansing, did you see Sherium being black Aja? Were you suspecting that? I go back and forth on it. Um, and I think I decided that she wasn't black Aja before this book. And so I was like, Oh yeah, it was a little bit more of a shock. Cause I, yeah, back and forth throughout the series. I'm like, oh yeah, she totally could be. Because of the um, arrow and book three, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, t- I had totally forgot, like really forgotten about that. But there are clues in more recent books where she's like crying, leaving her tent. Yeah. Dude, yep. and I think that was um, Arangar who had been like yep. torturing her or something. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yep. that's what she says in this book. Yeah. You were you were right about Elida though, Kaden. Yeah, that's yeah. good. At least I got one. Got one. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see the Varen reveal coming either. That yeah. Was, yeah. Okay. That, that was one. a great one. That was. How did yeah, you feel that, about it? Oh, I loved it. That was. It's like the whole time too. You're thinking you're like, oh man, the Black Aja or just Black friends in general, like, are the spies. Like, it'd be so great, like, to have someone do it back to them, right? And mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. that, like, along the whole storyline, this entire book, not this book, but like the series. And you still like, I never was like, oh yeah, they're actually going to do that. Right. It just didn't feel like what yeah. happened. So it was a great moment. I loved it. It was, it was a great twist. And yeah. And I, there are clues for that. It's in, uh, I'm, I'm going to be really vague. Cause I think my wife can overhear me, but in book two, there's specific times where, um, she like lies and it's kind of vague in the book. It's like, you know, that it's not true, but you're like, wait, is she lying or is she just misinformed or twisting the truth but Mm -hmm. like even way back then (laughs) man yeah i liked it though i was really excited um i was gonna say the one thing i liked also about the cleansing after was that they didn't get everyone um Mm -hmm. like oh they got in the rebel camp they got Mm -hmm. most of the the black friends right but in the white tower they didn't like masana is still there yeah. yeah. So I like that there it didn't just like wrap everything up, that it was a win, but it wasn't just like, oh yeah, we're happy. You know, there's still, you know, there's still conflict and yeah, and problems gonna happen there. So you could say it was a win, but not the win. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, gotta be cheesy. There's a little bit of wheel of cheese in the wheel of time. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Sanderson, yeah. one of the things he's known for, uh I mean, a lot of things, but one thing that I 
expect from his books are lots of big twists and reveals and stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, it was there the whole time. How did I not realize it? And so he pulls off some of that stuff here in The Gathering Storm. Like Jake says, I, I don't think they were like his original ideas. I, I think very few of the things that he writes are his original ideas. A lot of it, you know, is Robert Jordan's notes, which were very, very um, exhaustive, right? Very, um, co- they, they, they covered, I think, almost everything that he wanted to have written, except for some things. But, you know, Sanderson was able to like deliver these twists. So it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's, it just happens to be uh, a coincidence that the author that's known for these big twists is able to publish the last three books of the series and, and deliver all these twists that Robert Jordan wanted to have the whole time. Yeah, I think that's really fitting. I, I think I was just listening to uh, Murphy Napier's review of this book before we got on, just kind of refresh myself. And one thing she mentioned is how good Robert Jordan is at like setting up things in the future. And it's, it's fun that Sanderson got to cash out on, on a lot of those. I think some people will say him setting up is also, uh, it's a blessing and a curse because <laughs> things get so slow in the middle, but. I was going to say like all these storylines have been set up for at least six books, right. Yeah. <laughs> or more, you know, mm-hmm. the beginning. it's, it's crazy how many books you've been waiting for a lot of these things to happen. And Sanderson Which, just got to swoop in and, and cash out, I guess. <laughs> that that's another thing <laughs> going back like I, I love Sanderson but going back to I hate it when people say Robert Jordan was just like ended on this slog never ended and like Sanderson saved the series I hate that because first of all Knife of Dreams was a great book that was returned to form before Sanderson but also of course Sanderson's books are going to be so much more action-packed than the last three because it's it's the end like everything has to wrap up everything yeah. has to like climax so i i would agree with it if he had ended on crossroads of twilight because that book was just yeah that rough. that's that's the hardest one in my opinion but but knife of dreams was really good yeah so i was looking back in history to try to uh, get us get a sense of where sanderson's career was at at this point and for a for a panicked moment i thought that perhaps like he had written this book in his late twenties or something. And he was the same age that I was. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like when <laughs> Sanderson was, was my age, he was finishing the wheel of time. He was 34 when this book was written. So I've still got a few years to make something of my life apparently, <laughs> but uh, you know, he was a very young and somewhat unproven author. And I just think like how remarkable that was for him to come in and finish this series and what a remarkable series Wheel of Time is on its own. Like it's 14 books long. It's got this huge community that continues to be incredibly passionate. Like there is these content creators that pump out content all around Wheel of Time, even though no Wheel of Time book has been published since 2013, right? So it's yeah, an amazing. It's an amazing series, amazing community, and uh, really just an amazing set of circumstances that allowed Sanderson to come in and finish the series and then launch his career, which... You know, not to say that without Wheel of Time, he wouldn't have made it there, but it certainly helped jumpstart him into all the Cosmere stuff, which is awesome on its own, right? Yeah, I think he had he had like Warbreaker and Mistborn published in Elantris before. Yeah. And in terms of like the Cosmere. Mm-hmm. The full Mistborn series or just the first? Mistborn? The first three. Okay. The first three, I think. Yeah. But I think he, he has said that after doing the first book of the Wheel of Time, um, it kind of proved to his, and honestly, I don't know if it's the editor or publisher or what, but kind of proved, okay, yeah, we can give you like bigger, like we can let you do your bigger ideas, like Stormlight, which right. came out after the first Wheel of Time. Whereas and, that one, yeah, The Way of Kings came out in 2010, the year after yeah. this this book. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it it like put a lot, it helped him prove his like, that he could be trusted in that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I also think, um, it, like you said, it is amazing that this relatively unproven author was able to like take over and complete it in such a good way. But also like, I think it's a testament to obviously Robert Jordan's notes and like the editing process as well. Oh, for Just, sure. Like this like team effort of, okay, how can we make sure this, this sounds right and is like done in the right way to make it not feel like um, again, referencing Dune, um, 
a lot like most of the books written after the original author died are not well uh respected or reviewed Mm -hmm. yeah he said i think he dedicated this book to like the team uh the team jordan that yeah it was definitely not a one-man show uh, by any means what were uh, some of your other favorite moments uh let me look through here my notes um I, other favorite moments are when um suan and uh, garth Brynn, their little fight before going to the tower and her bonding him as a warder um like you yeah. knew that's been coming for you know since they got together you know and started telling mm-hmm. together back in whenever the tower fell um so yeah that, that was a really good one not uh not gowan coming in for <laughs> to, to try to save Egwene, just those two characters i mean not i was little, i was <laughs> no i mean no i'm not as excited about gowan right now um I, do, do you at the beginning of the book yeah go ahead Caden, do you understand that like the whole wheel of time community well a large portion of the wheel of time community just hates gowan like epically hates him they would be fine if he was like cut completely from the tv show <laughs> so i used to like really like gowan's character and hated galab and now i'm like finding myself totally flipped on that which is kind of i think that was not... intentional yeah okay yeah because i'm not not that i hate gowan i don't i don't super care for him right now but like i'm really pulling for Gal- i mean galad has like what one scene in the prologue or whatever but you're like anyway yeah it's he's got a cool scene in the prologue though he does very cool or was yeah. that that was knife of dreams actually or maybe it was well, knife of dreams when yeah he, yeah when he when he ascends to yeah yeah lcc yeah then he gets another scene in the prologue of uh he i, I think he he, he mostly meets with parent in this one right like they kind of have a and he recognizes his uh, more gaze is in parents yeah. camp I, I don't hate Gawain. i i like the the kind of role reversal where they set you up to think Galad is this unreasonable, like black and white person, which he is, you know, and that Gowan is the one that you should like go for. And he's Egwene's love interest. But then as things progress and the way they react to different like problems, um, it's interesting how Galad comes out on top. I don't hate Gowan though. I think he, I think he adds a, a great dynamic to the plot. And I do think like, I get the idea that like Egwene, once she was in the tower captured, she didn't want to be rescued and she let that be known to uh to swan and stuff but yeah. how mm-hmm. much was gowan in the know on that stuff you know he's just he's just trying his best i mean i think know? they told him <laughs> did swan, they? Yeah. i think swan told him like hey don't do this and he's like yeah whatever but 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 then but him going in to save her at the moment of the raid makes sense because it's not yeah, just so, well swan did recruit him yeah. at that time like hey yeah. come and help yeah but he still gets I, berated for it. Yeah, I feel like you're <laughs> Natu- naturally unfairly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. which doesn't I don't think that's gonna help his his personality much, but <laughs> yeah. How long has it been at this point? How long has, how long has it been since Egwene has seen Rand like in person? Since book five, right? Isn't that when she left the wise ones? No, book six. Book, six. book five? book six i ask because i don't remember but gosh it just seems like a really long time i think it was book six i think that's when it's when they're in the waste together yeah and then they come back to carrion and then yeah um and then leaves to go to the rebel i said i yeah 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 i think one of the things i'm looking forward to in the show is like seeing their relationships and not just Gwen and rand but all the characters seeing their relationships start at the beginning, how they're, you know, these innocent farm boys and girls and, uh, and they have these bonds and then they go off into the world and everything happens to them. And like, how do they, what are their relationships like as time passes apart from each other and as they grow and do their own uh, storylines and arcs and become leaders of different groups, like, and then they meet again and it's like, you know, looking back to, book one or season one and then like to now i think it's so interesting to see this growth and see like the trust that's there kind of like you know between some of these characters but also like not there because so much has happened and everything has changed it's really interesting 
Well, it's really interesting to me because I, I love that Egwene has become the Amarlin seat, right? And like, she totally deserves it. And she is like, acts like the Aes Sedai that you wanted her to be. And at the same time, you hate that because of how she just wants to use Rand, right? Or control him. And you're like, mm-hmm. hang on a sec. You guys were friends, but yeah. you're totally yeah. just like, you're the Aes Sedai now, right? So the same reasons why I like Egwene, I almost dislike her. But I get why she's that way. Like, I'm not saying she mm-hmm. shouldn't be, but it's it's kind of interesting to see both sides. They, it's not like, I don't think it's really explicitly addressed from my memory, but just the, there's like this toxic culture in the Aes Sedai and the White Tower. Um, just this idea that like, okay, we know best, defer, like defer to us on all things because obviously we know best and it gets them in trouble throughout the series. Um like the different attitudes we see it with Cad Swain a lot. Um, we see it with the, with Elida, obviously in a, a much different light. Um, but I feel like they kind of start to notice that when it comes to dealing with the kin and seeing how like, Oh, you know, there's some things we need to change, but Egwene kind of falls for some of that same conditioning of, you know, this is Aes Sedai, This is a role we have and people need to defer to us. Yeah. Hey, uh... A scene I'm really excited for in the show is uh, Matt's scenes in that town, which I can't remember the name of right now. Oh, Hinderstap? Hinder, yeah. yeah. Hindertap? The, like the whole time when I was reading that, I'm like, this is intense and I would love to see this. Like, they could pull that off. If they, if they yeah. pull it off really well, it would be really good. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. This one almost seems like a Sanderson, just because... I, yeah. Yeah, he... he <laughs> He, yeah it's a, it's a total convention right like he takes the bubble of evil and he makes it into something uh unique and he like kind of builds this system around like okay here's the bubble of evil and here's what can happen like same yeah. thing with uh, the the room switching around in the tower but yeah no the the zombie for lack of better terms yep is <laughs> is really exciting and terrifying yeah that was fun or fun, apparently, if you're Jake. <laughs> well, it was it was a like it was done. It was done in like a creepy, but I think because it's from Matt's point of view, it wasn't like it was more like swashbuckling action compared to like it wasn't the same as like when the golem was like trying yeah. to kill him. You know, that one was much more um, intense. Like, okay, people are dying now, but okay. So you're saying at this <laughs> this scene in the show uh we shouldn't have a like dark scary soundtrack we should have more of like a swashbuckling like accordion type like let's go kill the zombies soundtrack i'm I'm thinking it should be like some sam raimi type horror where it's like really creepy and scary and then we have some like slapstick stuff in there a little bit too so Mm. you're not really sure what to think (laughs) who's who's sam raimi um he's a director he's He's originally known for like campy horror movies, and then he did the original Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, okay. Have you heard of something like the Evil new. Dead series? No, oh. no, not not much of a horror person myself. I have to say, one thing I think uh, Sanderson did nail. Uh, actually, I don't know if this is spoiler for the next book. Um, <laughs> Can't. <laughs> I need to pull my headphones off real quick. No, you're good. How does it, how does it end with Matt? What's like Matt's final scene in this book? Um, he gets the letter from Baron. Letter from Baron. Yeah. Yep. And he, he wants to send, he, like, he's just trying to figure out how to get the band to Andor. Yeah. Oh, okay. What does, Not, does he open? What does the letter say? He doesn't open. He doesn't open no, no, the no, letter no. yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Baron gives yeah, him a timeline. Baron gives him like 10 days or... Okay. Or, 30, yeah. or th- there's a condition to it, like 30 days if she doesn't come back, something like that. Mm-hmm. She says she wants him to wait at least 10, but because he doesn't want to open it, she's like, okay, well, you can wait up to 30 days or whatever the, mm-hmm. the day is. Cool. Yeah, yeah, nothing, like really nothing happens with Matt in this book that's significant. Yeah. Besides maybe the giving the letter, but like he didn't read it yet. Or, and and yeah. the goat and the goat women. <laughs> yeah. The goat uh, monologue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been watching... Uh, Barry it's it's a show on HBO about a hitman who wants to become an actor and he's in this acting class and they're always like doing these monologues so whenever I hear like or whenever I'm like reading and there's like this long monologue in the story or something I'm always like if I were to go to acting school I wonder if that would be my monologue so I wonder if I'd pick uh 
Matt's <laughs> flaming goat speech to be my model. <laughs> <laughs> or flaming, yeah, something like that, yeah. Hey, you know, by that time, Jake, by the time you make it to acting school, we might be on our fifth or sixth different mat. So you could be, you could, you could be, be up for consideration. Yeah. That time I'd more like be, be Matt's father, but. <laughs> also, also a cool role. Also cool role. Yeah. Although in the, in the show, it seems like they're going to be, it seems like they're darkening his family life. Um, I don't know if you saw Caden Amazon prime had like these, uh, like descriptions and like summaries of the towns and places and people. And it said, Matt comes from like, like he, he comes from a family who isn't really, they aren't like good people. And so he's not really sure if he's a good person. Just oh, interesting. Really? And yeah. People think they're going to be turning his dad being like a horse trader into like more of a like horse swindler kind of person. Mm. But mm. interesting. That. Mm. I mean, I guess that could work for Matt's character, although it'd be unfortunate for his family. Yeah, I think I think they're just trying to make the backstories a little more mm-hmm. complicated. Like they're doing something with Perrin as well. Rand's already complicated enough. Um, yeah, but... they're clearly doing. They're making a big change with Perrin. I think it's all but confirmed. Although, yeah, it's like a little bit of a spoiler for the for the first episode. I'm gonna guess so. Maybe yeah, we don't talk say. about it, but it's going to be different. But for Matt, I think it, I think it would fit his character because then it would explain why they're also making him like grow up, like be like a poorer version or poorer of the friends. Mm-hmm. And so why he's more interested in like the, like the gambling and money and that kind of stuff. And, and going in with him, always saying, I'm not a hero kind of thing. And the cool golden dagger. Got to get that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get that dagger. But, <laughs> Yeah, so Matt's not in it much. There is some Perrin. Both Perrin and Matt are very brief. Anything, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot from him that stuck out. He's trying to handle his group of refugees, which once again is 100,000 people. Like the scale of some of these things is so big. I I mentioned this when Rand kills 100,000 Trollocs. Like 100,000 is so many. And now Perrin has 100,000 refugees. And uh Iteralde, if I said his name right, is fighting like 150,000 Sean Chan. Like these numbers just seem a little inflated to me, but whatever. Perrin's trying to handle 100,000 refugees, which I mean, bless his heart. I, I don't know if I'd be able to handle like 10 refugees. Yeah, I just, I just default. I feel like Robert Jordan would do the research to like find the right number of people, but I'm also the type of person like, Oh, it's more than a thousand. Okay. It's a lot. I don't. Like, yeah. <laughs> from yeah, a thousand to a million is like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what that looks like. <laughs> There's a part in the, the prologue at the next one. So slight spoiler, but nothing really big where you know, it's like, Oh, look, all these people joined and parents like, Oh, I didn't notice. And you're like, uh, okay, well, how did you not notice all these people? Right. Like, so I think it's kind of funny to, I mean, maybe it's cause he's already got a hundred thousand. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Add, add in ten more thousand. Who cares? Yeah. Um. One. I think the, probably the biggest thing that happens in parents' plot line is uh, Fael killing the prophet, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Masima finally get we get rid of him. She does do her thing, uh, where she does the like memorial. a little, uh, yeah, memorial that I think we touched on in our previous interview or not interview, but our, our review of Knife of Dreams. And then there's like some infidelity uh, discussion between the two of them that's awkward, like their relationship is is suffering from all of this trauma. What else? Oh, and Perrin tries to go back to the wolf dream. And it doesn't go well. So things are not going great for Perrin. Did, or, you, did you think yeah, the Masima thing was a good decision on her part? Bad decision? Yeah, I think it was a good decision. Um, yeah just get it over with yeah like yeah it was, it was about time <laughs> yeah like, I, I feel think... like anyone else would have made that decision earlier like the Aes Sedai I'm pretty sure like three books yeah. ago were like hey we should just kill him now right and yeah. so it was it was good to end it I think Perrin could never have done that because first of all Rand wanted to bring him back and second of all like killing someone in cold blood like he wouldn't have been able to do that um but I think Fael had the right mindset that he was just like sick in the head. You know, he wasn't, 
it was more like a, a mercy thing than anything. I think back to Masima and was he in book one or just book two? All mm-hmm. the way back then when he uh-huh. was, he didn't like Rand at first. And then in book three, he's like, oh, he's, he's the chosen one. And yeah, that dude went fully crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Inter- interesting character. Rest in yeah. peace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get any Elaine. No Elaine. Imagine being an Elaine fan after Knife of Dreams. You're waiting four years for the next book to come out. There's this uncertainty about Robert Jordan being dead. Uh, they, they do publish the books. The next book comes out and your favorite character isn't even in the books. Like how, how devastating would that be? Although, uh, although uh, what Towers of Midnight came out a year later. So yeah, she is back in that book. But um, uh, to be honest, I don't think those people even exist. So. I was going to say, are there any Elaine? <laughs> there's, there's no Elaine. Yeah, there is. I, I know I, one for, on, the, on this podcast. I was hoping that Towers of Midnight would also not have Elaine and just be like a parent in that book. And so we'll see. No, she is I mean, still not, an but... important character. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what what she does. Um, well, don't talk about it now. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about it in our next review. Well, there, yeah, I mean, one of the things from Baron's whole thing is they, t- they reveal a couple Black Aja people that are with our friends elsewhere, right? With Elaine yeah. and some with Rand, right? There's one with Rand still who's yeah um at least one that i i recognized right and so mm-hmm. jake were you so when this book came out we were 17 were you clued into all of this happening with robert jordan passing away and, and this next book coming out like were you looking yeah. forward to this one because i can't remember i don't think i i had gotten through the whole series by then i definitely remember the towers of midnight release because I went to the release party at the BYU bookstore yeah, in Provo. And you then, got me a signed copy there. Yeah, 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 that that was a good time. But I don't think I remember. I don't think I quite caught up for this one. When was uh, Knife of Dreams published? That was like 2000. It was four years. Pri- so 2000, it would have been 2005. 2005. This came out in 09. Yeah, I remember, I remember when he passed away. Um, our friend Kaysen, who's also a big fan of the Wheel of Time, we had our zero hour class together. And I remember in the hallway, him telling me, hey, Robert Jordan passed away. And we were just like, what? Like, so devastated. Um, but yeah, and then him, when the book came out, he, I, my family wasn't really one to buy like books the day, like before they went to uh, paperback. So mm. he, um, he was reading it and I think it was he was reading it in our econ class our senior year and uh so you guys were just pass, you guys were passing it back and forth yeah yeah in, i think in that's, your high in your high school classes yeah i think <laughs> i think i read i think i borrowed his copy and that was the like how i first read it but yeah very very much um anticipating this release yeah i wish i was older so i could say like oh i I had been reading the wheel of time since I was 10 years old back at, you know, when it first came out, but uh, I guess uh, may- maybe that'll be my stance on the Cosmere when it becomes a big TV adaptation in like I, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified that Brendan Sanderson will die before he finishes the Cosmere. So reading this makes me terrified. I'm like, Hey, get it all done, please. He, he started a lot earlier and he has a lot more to put out but he also writes a lot faster. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think for sure Sanderson will get out his main thesis of storm of uh, Cosmere within his lifespan. I know there are a couple of books that are like always um, like behind everything else. I think he has, like, stretch goals. Time. He, he has some stretch yeah. goals. He, he yeah. seems to be like pretty cognizant of his, of his own mortality and his ability to write <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, let's say, uh, you know, he were to pass away, like who would finish his series? I have no idea. Who would finish George R. R. Martin? Who would finish, uh, you know, like is, is Rathfuss ever going to write a book three? What if he dies? Like who would finish these series? We might I can't get really think... if he dies. Yeah, probably. But <laughs> it's, it's hard to think <laughs> that any, any of it would be like finished as well or like as, as seamlessly. I mean, obviously there is no perfect solution for if the author passes away, but this I, one was, I, yeah, it was great. I don't know if 
I don't know if always finishing it with someone else is like the best option. Like, I don't know if that's just rather leave it unpublished, unfinished. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends. Like with Robert Jordan, he was like actively aware of the situation and Mm -hmm. was like, I want to find someone to finish this. Yeah. His wife played a big part in picking. Is that what I heard? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Like as it was going on, did she like give input and be like, okay, this is going the way that like, he would have wanted it to go or oh yeah was it like once they decide okay she she's the editor she'd been the editor of the whole series so Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah she was heavily involved yeah she was she was a fan of she was a fan of sanderson's other books and he had written this uh really nice eulogy after robert jordan passed away and then i guess they got into some conversations and he was selected yeah okay i think it is time for the worst of no not the worst of the best uh, we don't do that on the wheel of time episodes it's time for our top three top and bottom three i should say so uh this one had not as many like more characters were absent but i feel like we can come up we, we can come up with some top and bottom threes lately there's been some cop out top and bottom three i think i chose like i chose the trollocs last time like all the trollocs that died is my bottom three that yeah. was a cop out. You're not allowed to do that this time. <laughs> I got a. I think I got. I got some decent ones this time, but I think there's going to be a lot of overlap for top and bottom. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Okay, are you starting then? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, top first or bottom first? Top. Let's let's start with the good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna do um, Rodel Iteralda. However you say okay. his name. Sure. It's number three. That guy is just a machine just his gumption and resilience that just never back down to the Sean Chan and just like constantly harassing them. Like it, it is this uh, like a losing battle, but he's not giving up and just, just going for it. He was like a little bit of a character before. And then it seems like Sanderson, like really liked him. It's just like, Hey, we're going to, you know, up. Yeah. We're going to level this guy up and make him cool. <laughs> People kept talking about him. Like he was always, it was more like people would talk about him because he's one of the great captains, but mm-hmm. now he kind of gets more time to shine. And does, does Ren, Ren, like, does he just put him to the, does he move him? In this yeah. Book? I don't want to he, he just, he okay. sends yeah. him up. To, he sends him up to the yep. borderlands and says like, Hey, help yeah, us he's out like, he's like, Hey, I'm going to save you from the Sean Chan. So you don't have to fight anymore. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. Now fight all these Trollocs <laughs> up <Yeah>. here. <laughs> um, so he's my number three. Egwene is my number two and, and Rand is my number one. And honestly, Egwene and Rand are pretty much tied for me. Um, I think Egwene probably did more, like did actually more, but I think Rand's transformation was like almost a harder thing to accomplish and has a bigger impact on the uh, overall plot. So those are my top three. I'll, I'll go next. Um, so number three, I'm gonna put Garth Brynn in um, my third because of how he kills the blood knife that was about to kill Swan. Um, that moment was really cool, and yeah, also I'm excited to see where the blood knives play in in the next book or two. Uh, number two, I'm gonna put Varen in because her whole life's work was yeah yeah right like like well I don't even know how many years but. It, you know, her entire life was spent figuring out who the Black Aja are or what they're about and all her books, right? And and she delivers very well. And then I know, Jake, don't kill me for not putting Rand as number one here, but I'm going to go with Egwene as number You're one. <laughs> uh, no, but I, yeah, I just like, yeah, everything I said earlier in the podcast about Egwene. And, yeah, she had an awesome book. Yeah. I'm also doing Egwene, number one. I'm going to start with number one. Yeah. And then go with waiting. exciting. <laughs> we've we've been waiting for this for so long yep. Uh, yep. yeah it was awesome she's got more to do but you know, just thinking back to her beginnings her humble beginnings that we've seen on the trailer of the tv show to now it's fun <laughs> uh number two i'm gonna say tuan because her raid on the oh. white tower was like super successful and like for what she's trying to accomplish she's doing it really well like the Sean Chan are really well positioned and like Rand saw and Abudar they're doing better than he is so like are the Sean Chan really like the enemy at all I feel like maybe we'd be better off with Sean Chan instead of Rand crazy Rand 
also her moment of resisting the, the pull of Rand being Taviran, mm-hmm. like during their yeah. uh, peace talks, that was, that was a really cool moment for her. The books do such a good job. Like she is from this culture and society that is so um, oppressive and bigoted and like not good, but then they show like the order that brings and they show how cool of a person she is for being able to resist his like pull and everything resisting the dragon reborn who like no one can resist that, you know, it's like the ultimate mm-hmm. to Viren and he, and she's just able to like brush that off. Gives me such conflicting ideas with how cool she is and how much I hate, like uh-huh. almost everything about her. <laughs> She sees like this evil blackness around him, right? Yeah. You have like the scene right before where Rand's like, I could will the pattern to stop you living to Catswain, right? That was like two scenes before. And then and then they put that yeah. and then the scenes right after, right? So those two things together are really cool. Yeah. Okay. And then number three, we didn't talk about this character. And honestly, I'm just trying to choose different characters that we didn't talk about. But uh, but Avienda has a good book. She's accepted as a wise one she's sent off to ruidian uh we don't know what's going to happen there yet but every time someone goes to ruidian something interesting happens and uh this is a fun thing in the future so look for that yeah okay bottom three uh bottom three i'm gonna go dang i'm gonna go simirage um because she gets this i think she was in my bottom three last book even Cause she gets captured so quickly after having mm-hmm. the surprise. And then again, she gets this get out of jail free card and screws it up. I mean, I guess it wasn't really her fault. Like she was betrayed basically um, by Rand's connection to the true power. Yeah. Which I, I wonder how much of that is a, a conscious betrayal by the dark one. Like I'm thinking it wasn't conscious, but I think he was kind of just like, hey, whatever happens, it's fine. Like, either she yeah. succeeds or she dies, and who cares, right? It's kind of how I perceived it. And Yeah. So, Caden, K- did, you, did you fully understand the true power thing? I remember when I was first reading, I was like, wait, there's this other power that he can do now? Okay, yeah, kind of. And it's, it's because of his link to Moradin, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I've known about the true power because of the couple they've had a couple scenes previously where Morden uses it or someone uses it and they see the like right. the black flex or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. um I I didn't know it was I didn't think that was what was gonna happen, that he was gonna like tap into it through that link, but it, it makes sense, I think. Yeah, and that's it's like kind of confusing like how he's able to do that. Like we know it's through that link, but it's like, is this is it um something unintentional or is it like something that could be taken away because it's like granted to the different forsaken right. it isn't something they can do innately and throw back to ridian in book four when Rand sees uh Lanfear bore into the dark one's prison it's because they sensed the true power and they're like oh this will be a new source mm-hmm. of power but um yeah so i'm going to simirage and then um elida also she gets totally owned in this book and then i don't i don't know what my top bottom three <laughs> would be honestly maybe cat swain i'll do cat swain because she wasn't that bad she she was a catalyst for change she was but not in the way she planned and not in a way that was stable <laughs> like sure you know like, like the situation is very bad. Let's make it worse and see what happens. <laughs> I feel like I was kind of disappointed with Kat Swain as a character. And I don't know what Robert Jordan's original plan for her was, but she comes in, she's this legendary Aes Sedai in like book six, I think is when she first appears. Mm. And she makes this pact with the wise ones to, we're going to make Rand laugh again and like stop him from getting so hard. And so that's been her quest. And she's Mm -hmm. kind of filled that Moraine role for a bit of like, do I trust you? Stop telling me what to do. And they come to this agreement. And then it's like, she loses touch with, with like who Rand is and like her efforts to make him softer are deciding to be abusive to him. And, and then she like tries to correct course by sending Tam. And that almost makes Rand kill Tam and just 
kill everything. So I'm going to, so I was disappointed with where her, her arc went, but I'm going to make her number one then. I mean, he almost killed the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I found this clip on YouTube and it was a Sanderson. He was talking at some convention or something and it's like a 30 second clip. And he mentions how in one of the drafts of one of the books he was writing, it must've been the gathering storm. He wrote in and then Rand destroyed the whole world. Like just like wrote it and then deleted it real quick. He's like, I just had to write that just so I know like that that was there in one of the drafts of the book. somewhere. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I wonder if it was at this point in the gathering storm that he did that. Makes sense. Okay. Caden bottom three, bottom three. Right. I had some similar ones, so I'm going to change it up a little bit here. Um, so instead of Cat Swain, I would say all of the I said I present with Rand at the beginning as the spot together is number three because they let Samurag or Samurag or however you say it live for so long. Like I feel like they knew she was so dangerous and they still got their butts kicked. And it was just mm-hmm. so clear that was going to happen. So I was frustrating as a reader. Number two, I, I was going to put Shiryob in here. And also the other sitter who was Black Aja with her, like when they were about to get discovered, like Suan was just like, oh yeah, it was me and starts kind of bragging. And then the other sitter like tries to escape and makes it like two feet and then gets captured. So there, it was, it was a pretty weak attempt to, to get away and end it sadly for them. And then number one, just cause I love it was Elida getting, got captured by the Sun Chan and, the whole tower had fallen apart and it was a disaster and it was everything I hoped she'd become. So I feel bad she got catch by Asante actually, but you did feel bad. I do feel a little bad. Yeah. Like I, I bought into like the Egwene, like no person should be like entrapped by the Sun Chan that, that can power mm. that, that has the power. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little bit poetic justice just because yeah. she'd been warned of it so much yeah. and like, scoffed at the idea this was the book where she tried to build her own palace right she was like yeah i don't know yeah i didn't get that that she's building her own palace but her like her she had took like the upper floor of the tower was like making it into like very she was just getting all these really tons of fancy things and she wanted them to swear a fourth oath of yeah the fourth oh yeah obedience to the amerlin yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or the the cumberland seat that's what emily calls it (laughs) Uh, was that was that that was your three? Okay, that was my three. Yep. Okay, I, dang, I have two. I'm trying to come up with trying to come up with, with one more. Um, well, I'll probably just have to probably just have to copy you guys. Um, yeah, number three, I'll say is Cinerog for just failing and not doing anything interesting. Number two, I'm gonna go with another Forsaken. I'm gonna say Masana because. Yeah, sure, like, we don't see her do much in this book, but also, like, she had a great opportunity to, to uh, you know, whatever she was trying to do, the entire tower was in flux. Obviously, Egwene would have been the person who tried to take out somehow or whatever she was trying to do, and she does not do it. Like, this is her golden opportunity with the Shan Chan. Like, she could have done whatever. Uh, she just does nothing. So, Masana, that was your chance. You missed it. Number one controversial jake you're not gonna like this but i think the bottom person in this book yeah it's randall thor <laughs> and He's, i could see him being in the bottom and the top yeah yeah well so his personal arc is great and his personal discovery and all that is awesome but does it do anything positive for anything in Randland in this book no in fact he does like a he ton takes- of really crappy negative things to do the people that he's trying to take care of. He uh, takes out two forsaken. Well, I guess, but at the same time, like at what cost, right? Like he's, yeah. he's sacrificing a lot of the, the values that he wants to build his, you know, he wants to build civilization on where he's just now killing innocence for the greater good. The greater good is like always the most evil phrase in <laughs> books, right? Like whenever we, sacrifice something for the good of the of the long term or something and we we compromise on values that's that's always a bad thing if uh th- there's some good examples of that in stormlight archive so uh clearly this is something that sanderson likes to weave into his books 
And I think the the moment where where uh, Rand just bale fires all of Natrum's Sparrow is that what it's called? Like yeah, but they, they were, were all also, basically dead. Yeah, they're basically right. dead. Their minds were. Yeah. Come on though, that's something that Rand would Rand would not do. That's something that he doesn't want to stand for. He did do. Yeah, but he, he wouldn't sh- have done it before because he was too weak. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's a that's a, a soft. A soft uh, book for Rand. We got Quindiar Rand now. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not anymore though, because after yeah. the bottom, uh, after my number one bottom three spot goes through this whole book, hopefully he's better in the next book. But no, like he was, he was terrible in this book. He was about to destroy all of Abudar and then like the whole world. And fortunately, he was able to kind of come to grips there right at the end. I liked the moment. I liked his journey. I would not want him to be a part of my life in this book at all. Yeah, I see that. You're th- so you're saying all the change he made in this book, we don't see any actions on that. So he has no. a chance for top three in, bo- in the next book, yeah. but this book now. Okay. Yeah, he's got a chance, but like, but I mean, there's no guarantee. Next book, he could go back to being crazy, I suppose. <laughs> that would be very, that'd be very strange. It'd be a very strange arc, but... <laughs> you never know <laughs> okay um Kaden, how far right. are you into towers of midnight about a fourth of the way through okay okay so you're not going to finish the whole series by the time the show comes out which is okay i'm not but it, it's going to be very exciting for you watching the show and being right at the climax of the books it's going to be pretty jarring i think for you <laughs> You're going to be finishing the last book while the first season is still coming out. Yeah. Like you'll finish, you'll finish the last yeah. book before Christmas. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be cool. You'll get to see baby Rand on screen versus yep. this now Quain DR or Zen Rand. They, they like to call the Rand that emerges from dragon Mount Zen Rand okay. after his uh, coming Meditation. to peace with themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you ever need to know the, the nicknames or the memes or anything like that around the series slash Jake. He's really, he's really tied into <laughs> all of the, the deep cut fan terminology. So I'm glad that I'm watching or about to watch the series now at this point. Cause I think if it was during like book nine and 10, I would, I wasn't as excited for the series coming out and now I'm super pumped. And, and doing these reviews makes me pumped too, because I can remember back to these awesome moments and honestly, like all of the stuff that's coming out for the show, like I, I was saying on the Discord today, anytime there, there are now daily things of like clips and articles and things for the show. It's coming out in nine days at time of recording. Anytime I watch any of this, I get this like stupid, goofy grit on my face. I just get so happy and excited. It's man, it's cool that like my favorite uh, show or my favorite series, favorite fantasy book series is being made into a huge TV show. Couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I brought it up Same. at a work lunch the other day and like no one was a Wheel of Time fan and I was, it was a really awkward moment. No, no, no. So they, they, for coming out. they will be. They will be. Yes. Fans. Yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to get my, uh, my coworkers into it. I have one that was pretty into Game of Thrones. So I'm like trying to fit that in. So mm-hmm. we'll see. It's a good, I mean, that's like one of the biggest marketing pitches it's the yeah. next Game of Thrones, even though we don't want it to be the next Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what everyone wants to call it—the next Game of Thrones. Yeah, I think the hard part in this tangent is there's so many people who weren't really interested in fantasy, but like we're so sucked into like who's going to sit on the Iron Throne, and there's mm-hmm. not really that question so much in the Wheel of Time. They're trying to do it, and I mean, all the promos, it's like who's going to be the who's... Dragon Reborn. Yeah. But that's going to be solved in, a, in yeah, at yeah. most a season. And then pass. And even that, that's a very fantasy interested question. Whereas who's going to be the ruler is a much more like you don't have to be super into fantasy to be interested in who's going to politically come sure. out on top. So you're saying they need to establish some really compelling mystery or like reason to continue to watch like reason for speculation i don't think they need to i don't know if they can like that is just i mean it's the first book is a game of thrones because i mean that's just central to 
a song of mm-hmm. ice and fire and the TV show, like that is just a central theme of it. So it's just something that is inherently different from the series. But so they need to attach you to the characters enough so you care about the individual arcs yeah. because that's where the series is yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. Maybe just the 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 social elements as well, like the gender swapping and stuff like that. But okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our review of The Gathering Storm. I guess uh, we'll release The Towers of Midnight at some point uh, in the next few days. Where, uh, If you're watching this and you like The Wheel of Time, check out our Wheel of Time bingo promotion that we're doing on social media. The idea is to fill out a bingo card of things you think will happen in the first season. Uh, that will be coming out soon. I, Well, actually... It's always kind of hard to juggle like time of recording and time of release. By we by the time we release this one, the Wheel of Time Bingo thing will have been out there. And hopefully the first season of the show will not have started, or first episode of the show will not have started, but it's kind of hard to judge release schedules. Anyway, I'm going on a tangent, which probably means we're done. <laughs> so, so Jake and Caden, thanks guys. Yeah, yeah thank you guys. Thanks. Thanks.